0: Well, hello there again, it's Tim O'Keefe, Coach Tim of Spider Juice Technologies, and I have a wonderful guest for you today. It is a subject that we all have heard, and if you're like me, sometimes we kind of gloss over this word, and that word is branding, and I, because of that, thought I would bring on a branding expert. Uh, Marco Casanova who is overseas and he, he got a, a his degree in business administration from the University of Bern in Switzerland and he's the founder and managing partner of the Branding Institute since 2002 and he serves in various executive boards like Web Media Publishing, Pink Up uh, Entertainment Media Group and uh, and more uh, and uh, he is holds a vast global network into various opinion leader circles through his political, economic, and scientific activities. Uh, Very quickly, founder of the Community of Interest COI Branding in Switzerland, as well as co-founder and co-chairman of the International Brand and Reputation Community. And I am cutting that short because his list of credentials goes on and on and on and on. And instead, (laughs) I'd rather you hear him teach us today marco casanova welcome how are you very good thank you very much
1: tim for having me in the show today
0: oh i'm uh i'm excited because uh i was thumbing through your book called branding it 3.0 and uh there's a lot of takeaways in there but uh i wanted to first of all i wanted to start off where are you located
1: well i'm I'm located in Switzerland in the heart of europe in zurich
0: beautiful, beautiful. But
1: i as you can as you can imagine i I travel quite a lot and also speaking five languages fluently it helps also to communicate in in a lot of regions in the world in their native languages
0: that's that always impresses me. That, I mean, we, we uh, Americans uh, are not so quick to learn so many languages, and uh, I, I, I'm always impressed by someone like yourself who is, uh, is willing to do that. Um, why is, what is branding? Let's start there. What's branding?
1: Well, branding is, in a nutshell, relationship management because there are different brands. You have a personal brand, like like Tiger Woods. You have a nation brand, like Switzerland, for example, that helps to sell products like watches to a higher price because of this so-called country of origin. You have product brands, being it a yogurt or a sneaker from Nike, and you have corporate brands. And corporate brands is basically the name of a company And it has then, when when we speak of corporate brand, it has a lot to do with the reputation of the organization that the name stands for.
0: Interesting. So uh, how does one create a brand? Yeah, well, it has a lot to do
1: with the reputation. So if you are a a small or mid-sized enterprise, what what I usually do working as an advisor, and, and you are already in, in the business for quite a while, uh, the first question I ask is to say, is there anything unique that you offer to your customers? And this uniqueness, it's, it's rather difficult to, to, to express in, in one or two sentences, because if you are a dentist or if you are a lawyer, Uh, Of course, you can be an excellent dentist or an excellent architect, but more or less you have colleagues or competitors who are doing more or less the same. So the question then I continue to develop and and I try to to frame is by, by asking the following, saying, look, imagine you decide to quit business by tomorrow. Who would miss you? for what kind of reason, for how long, if you go out Mm. of business tomorrow. And then we get deeper into really the topic, what kind of customer need. The specialists, being a dentist or an architect or also a lawyer, are really um, offering to their customers. And a lot of time we find out that it has to do with the relationship that they have built over the years and that you know more about your customer than just what the customer in this very moment wants from you so that you can offer additional advice, additional services. And this add-on basically justifies that the customer becomes loyal to you, that eventually also through word of mouth, he, he sells your service and yourself to his friends or family, and this is the way that your reputation grows.
0: Interesting. So what are some specific uh, examples that that you might have that, say, uh, a business could, could use? Uh, we could go specific if you want. Uh, a real estate yes. uh, brokerage, a, a plastic surgeon, doctor.
1: Yes, I can. Uh, I have a couple of best practice examples in my book. And, and one example that I'm absolutely fascinating is about the Ritz-Carlton. And the Ritz-Carlton, they have the philosophy as a luxury hotel saying, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Mm. So it means that it, the customer or the client is not treated just as a king but that you pay him respect but you also deserve to be respected so on the other side it also no matter if you are the CEO of the organization or if you are a, a rather simple workforce you, everybody is treated as ladies and gentlemen so keeping this kind of mentality in mind they have also basic rules at Ritz-Carlton. For example, one rule is that they say each employee is empowered. When a guest has a problem or needs something special, you should break away from your regular duties, address, and resolve the issue. And then they continue and they, they are more specific in their internal guidance to their employees. They say, never lose a guest. Instant guest pacification is the responsibility of each employee. Whoever receives the complaint owns it. Resolve it to the guest satisfaction and record it. So it sounds very nice, but the real interesting point at Ritz-Carlton, and that's why for me it's a best practice example, they really also give the um, instruments to the employees to really resolve to the guest satisfaction, certain problems. So for example, a simple uh, cleaning lady at Ritz-Carlton, she has $1,500 per year at her free disposal to exactly make this guest specification. So you see, why do I mention this example? Because the customer experience is absolutely crucial and in the service industry, and you spoke about architects, lawyers, dentists, who are all in the service industry, you actually run against perfection. uh, Because the guests do expect the perfect service. And if one in 10 times the service is not 100% at their satisfaction, you go down from 100% satisfaction to 90% or even lower. And it's very hard then to to move again up to 100 because you would then need to surprise positively in the service environment your guest the next time or your customer. This is very difficult to achieve. That's why what we see in a lot of very successful businesses that they design the customer experience always from the perspective of the customer itself. And not the inside out, but the outside in perspective by saying what are the so-called moments of truth where it decides if the customer by the end feels absolutely satisfied with the service or not.
0: How, that, that sounds amazing, but how do you, how do you create this sort of vision, uh, at first, and then how do you get it infused in? Uh, I can't imagine how many employees that the Ritz-Carlton must employ, where they all operate on that philosophy. Yes. So first
1: is the selection of the the labor force. You need you need uh, human beings who really. Are talented, or they want to grow into become a, a service champion, so that they feel satisfied by serving in an environment like the Ritz-Carlton. And if they genuinely are this kind of personalities, you then can also educate them. On one side, in a in a typical educational setting, where you where you um, give them certain examples where you explain them the rationale behind a certain um, attitude and behavior, and then that you do role plays, right? So that they really feel at ease also and that they are not threatened by difficult situations that may occur in the daily business, but that they are challenged and that they really take up this challenge because they understand that they will grow if they successfully are able to to, to work uh, with this challenge
0: interesting so okay so i'm let's say i'm an, an architect or a lawyer or a dentist i have you know maybe 10 employees uh maybe as many as 50. I'm, I'm not the Ritz-Carlton. How do, I, yeah, yeah. how do I put this all together?
1: Yeah, I can give you an example. So, so, so recently what has happened to me, I, I had uh, a problem with my teeth. I, I could not sleep the whole night. And with Murphy's Law, in the morning, uh, very early, I picked up the phone and I called my, my dentist. And he was not there. So there was just a message saying I'm on vacation and if it's urgent, please contact one of of these three following colleagues. And then the phone number came. So I called the first number. And from this moment on, I gathered impressions about this dentist that I have absolutely no clue if he's capable he or not. So the first thing is that... How long do I have to wait that somebody on the other side of the line picks up the phone? Is it five seconds, 50 seconds? The second is, is this person having a nice voice? Is she empathetic? Or if I call and I say, look, my teeth is hurting, she says, well, I I thought you are not calling to make an appointment to get your hair cut. And eventually, you are not so much in the mood uh, of laughing because uh, oh. your teeth is hurting and you have not slept the whole night. Right? Wow! So what happened to me is really that that uh, this assistant, uh, from the very beginning, when I told her the the situation, she said, "Well, we are fully booked today, but I try to see me going somewhere." Because I understand that you are in pain and I would like to help you. So by by, by sending out this kind of emotional message to me i found in her an ally in a in a situation that i have not not known about the existence of this human being 15 seconds before i i picked up the phone and what then happened is that this assistant said yes look at 10 o'clock uh, so in two hours um, i was able to 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 sneak you in and can i ask you are you coming with your car or with public transportation and i wondered already why is she asking this and then she said well you see we have only a few parking in front of our uh, of our house and if you come with the private car i would like to send you an information via email that shows you where you can find a parking And then you would need to take public transportation for two stops in Zurich. Wow. So I was absolutely surprised because what is normally happening? It's happening, you have an appointment at 10 o'clock, five minutes before 10. You are rushing with your car to the building. You don't find any parking lot. You leave the car in a semi-legal spot because you are afraid to come late to the dentist and then right. you wait thirty minutes in the in the in the waiting room getting nervous because you said if I would have known that I have to wait thirty minutes I would have had time to find a legal parking and how high is the probability that I will get a fine, how much will be the fine? So you have a lot of stress that a day after the visit at the dentist You just have the connection to the dentist in a very negative way because you had all this kind of stress that has nothing to do with the real performance that the dentist is doing when you open your mouth. So everything that you can ease the overall situation helps to build trust as a service supplier. So, for example, if you are in the waiting room at the dentist and you look around and you have paintings who have a lot of red, we we see psychologically that red means blood and that the stress level increases if we see a lot of red. If you have an aggressive music in the background, it does not help to calm you down because Very few of us like to go to the dentist, right? So it causes already stress from the very beginning. And what you can do, if you are sensitive enough, you can create in the waiting room an atmosphere based on the paintings, based on the music, based on what kind of magazines you have exposed, that the potential customer of yours who comes for the first time to you gets a positive mood and a positive mindset. Because by the end of the day, in every service, the potential customer will ask three questions to himself. The first question is, after he has opened the mouth and the doctor has said, oh my God, uh, I have to take out two teeth and I have to build a bridge and it will cost you a couple of hundred dollars. After the first shock, because you thought eventually it's a minor thing, nothing big, there are three questions. The first question is, do you think that his diagnosis is right? Because Mm -hmm. we rarely are the expert. We are not the expert if we bring our car to a garage, if if we go to a dentist. So we need to rely on the service supplier, and we need to trust this person that we eventually have not met before. So to whom are we willing to give a so-called trust in advance? And if the build-up, till we enter actually and meet the dentist, in this example, has, has calmed us down, has given us signs of confidence we tend in this moment to be willing to give to the service supplier, to the expert, a trust in advance. So the first question is, do we trust him that he has given us the right diagnosis? We don't know, but do we believe he is right or not? The second question is, do we think that he's able to solve our problem to our satisfaction? Also, this is something we do not know before we actually have done it. And the third question is, do we feel that we get a a fair value for money? And if one of the three questions we answer is no, we ask the dentist just to, to give us a tranquilizer that the pain goes down, and we go to a second and to a third dentist. And by the end, we decide, based on our emotional Uh feelings and sentiment to which of the three dentists that we have not known before we have gone for a first visit, we are willing to give this trust in advance. So you can design out of the perspective of the customer your service um, with so-called moments of truth.
0: So... In essence, you're, what you're uh, prescribing in, in this situation uh, is to, through the environment, to psychologically prime uh, the the visitors, the patients, um, so that they do have a calm and and relaxed experience yes. with going into something that is not. At all, if if it's a dentist, at all, very uh, soothing <laughs> to have stuff poked into your mouth, and um, and so by by setting it up, you're you're psychologically priming them to to uh, To have a better experience than they might uh, might have if again, like you said, if the, the walls are painted red or something. Um, but uh, that that's interesting. So uh, is it fair to say then that that branding uh, is about the perceptions that you give and leave with the uh, the consumer? Absolutely, because we know out of research
1: that, that 80% of the decisions human beings they make based on their emotionality and only 20% based on their rationality. Uh, yep. Because it's clear if you go to a supermarket and you, and, and you ask customers, do you let yourself influence by, by advertisement of detergent? nobody will tell you yes everybody says no of course not i'm not stupid i consciously make a decision right right so all the big brands who are spending millions in advertisement for detergent would be absolutely crazy to do so if it would not have an effect it has an effect but it has an effect in the subconsciousness And that's why we see that human beings act 80% based on so-called emotional primary motives. And this is depending on the product. It is depending on the personality. If it's more about prestige or power or confidence, it has to do with sympathy. It has to do with risk, appetite, or security. And only 20% based on rational, so-called secondary motives. Uh, So, in a nutshell, we can say that the psychological operation is that emotional processes, they trigger the activation. They are the emotional driving forces, and these processes then influence the so-called cognitive processes, the mental information processing, and these, they start to control the attitude and the behavior of the individual. So... The question in the relationship exercise we are doing with brands is that you have to ask yourself which emotional value does your specific brand has for the human being that you are targeting your target group
0: okay interesting um, what How, how is, how, let's, let's, let's go to the beginning and then, and then, uh, to the actual insertion. So we've, we, we're starting a business and so we're going to, you said we need to understand what the consumer wants, right? We want to, we want to come from their point of view, not ours. Uh, how, how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, I
1: call it also in my book the so-called top-of-the-heart strategy. So it has a lot to do with with empathy. Mm. So, so we have done uh, researches and we try to figure out which sales forces are constantly over the average successful. And we figured out that it's not so much the specialist who knows everything about the product, but much more the sales force who puts the person, the human being of the customer in the focus of its relationship than just the customer and sees the wallet that the customer is opening and signing a contract and and handing money over. So in the first step in the relationship building, it has a lot to do that that you really establish a relationship on the human level, and then comes out your expertise. So you have to prepare the ground emotionally. I give you an example. If you enter as a salesperson, an office for the first time, you have a psychological program running that says that the manager who is in the office he does not feel at ease that a a person enters in his space because it could be also a hostile act this has a lot to do of course with with everything that that our grandfathers and grand grandfathers went through so that means it's an intrusion in a space that, that basically it's your space so if you don't Pay attention to this negative emotionality at the beginning by your potential customer at its best. So what can you do, for example, you enter now this office space and you see that this manager has a lot of diplomas and medals all around in the office. So it seems that he's a very successful person one way or the other, and that it's his wish to communicate this success to the world, because other people also have won medals and diplomas, but they have stored it somewhere in the basement in their house. But this human being feels the necessity to share these successes with the whole world, so it's important for him. So you enter into his office and you see all these uh, these medals and 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 these diplomas, and you say, "Wow, you must be very successful. Uh, what is it all about? And then he eventually says, "Well, it's not me, but it's my daughter. she is a gold pro." And and she she won now the the American uh, under-16 competition. And you see what is happening. He speaks about something to you that it's very close to his heart. That means that his emotionality uh, becomes very positive because he sees, while speaking about his daughter and the successes of his daughter, he sees. His daughter, where well, he has witnessed this success. So thanks of you, he is reliving this very nice, very emotional experiences. And after five or ten minutes, he says, well, but you didn't come to visit me that I speak about the career of my daughter, but you were so kind to come to visit me because you have a very interesting offer to do. So I'm very eager now. To learn more about it so he Mm. hands over to you again the ball and then it's really up to you to really score with 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 your strong point but you have emotionally prepared him the best way possible that he is now really captive on what you have to say
0: beautiful uh, Marco, I, I appreciate it. I could talk to you uh, much longer, but uh, in, uh, in the, uh, to protect your time, I, I'd like to <laughs> wind this up and, and let you talk about your book for a second. This is Branding at 3.0, Business Performance Through Excellence in Brand Management and uh, by Marco Casanova. And this is a part of a series, correct? This is not the only book in this series.
1: Yes, I'm I'm actually working on branding it 4.0. And of course, it has a lot to do with uh, putting then the question up uh, if your brand deserves a bright future in the industry 4.0 world. But, and this uh, new book will, will come out in, in August of this year. And and now the first book that has been uh, issued in January, it has been on on the top three ranking of Amazon in global marketing. So I'm I'm very excited and, of course, also proud that it had this kind of success. And what readers uh, write me is that they especially found very interesting. Um, I I also speak about the 10 Cs of branding 3.0 by saying what kind of capabilities are required, um, how you can build a compelling brand, why consistency is so important, um, how you can really make sure that the competitiveness of your brand, also mid and long term can be, uh, be make sure. A core branding aspect is the fifth C of these 10 Cs, the sixth is the corporate brand view, so everything that has to do with reputation and stakeholder management, why corporate culture is so important. Here I, I shared with, with you the example of Ritz-Carlton saying we are ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen. Of course, the customer experience as the eight C, uh, where we spoke a lot now in this interview about this How can we design this customer experience, especially in a service environment? And then uh, why today in the so-called connectivity paradigm, it's so important to also reach out to the customers that they are able to co-create. Their experience So collaboration is very important and also to be connective. And for all of these 10 Cs, um, I have best practice examples of all kinds of brands, being it big brands or also smaller brands, who I felt it's very um, enlightening to 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 show to the reader what they have done, maybe different or, or more radical or more courageous or earlier than others and achieved uh, very positive results.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Marco, I... I suggest everybody gets your books. Um, they uh, they can really help us understand uh, and have a a lot of a lot of examples of brand building. Uh, not just within the book, but you also uh, have links to your site that goes um, into some of these examples further. And by the way, what is the name of your website? Well, it's
1: Marco casanova.com so m-a-r-c-o c-a-s-a-n-o-v-a dot com and there no, um, you find also my email address and, and I'm very interested and eager to stay in touch with the readers and, and additional answer questions or share uh, additional experiences because you see I'm very enthusiastic about the topic and you have never Finished to learn. It's a constant learning curve, and, and it's a very fascinating journey, and that's why I like so much to share my experience with, with everybody who, who is interested in.
0: Well, thank you. you you've been a delight, and uh, I'm, I'm uh, sure our uh, listeners will agree. Marco Casanova, branding at 3.0. Get it, you guys. Marco, thank you. Thank you very much, Tim. Okay, beautiful. Thank you.